of today's daf is Lamed Gimel 33. Uh, we pick up, though, in the middle of Lamed Betam and Bet, so we're a bit behind, but we will catch up because the last daf is basically a quarter of a daf. Um, and we pick up, um, we're in the middle of discussing the Psukim of Malchius, Akronis, and Shofros. Um, and uh, we pick up with, we had a debate of whether a Pikto note were like the Chronote or not, and the idea of mentioning something only about an individual, not about a Tibor, different between things about Jews versus non-Jews. Okay, and now the Gemara is like this. It is uh, about the exactly across the line on the top of the, uh, exactly across the line on top of Rabbeinu Hanano on the right hand margin. The line starts with the word Damya, and then there's a pasuk. Okay, so it's about ten lines down in the medium size. Yeah, exactly, ten lines down in the medium sized line. Okay, so So there you got Melech. Hashem is Gibor, so that's Melech twice. Hashem Gibor that's Melech three times. that's four times. Hashem five times. Okay, well, it's since anyway, you only need three from from uh, from Ketuvim, but that already gets you five. So let's take a look. So Yossi says, like we assumed, the first pasuk half of the, the first pasuk is two. And then the next pasuk, is three. So you could use one pasuk to get you two. You could use the second pasuk to get you three. No. Is the first one only counts for one and the second only for two because the, because the, because within the psukim are questions. Mi Mi So it's not yet identifying, although you could say it's rhetorical, but it's not yet identifying God as Melech, so the question Mi does not count as one of the Malchus. Okay. Moving on. Now, what is interesting is that you can have one pasuk that counts as more than once. That, that if you have multiple mentions in a pasuk, it can count for two, even though so it's not just X number of psukim. It's really X number of mentions within the psukim. Okay. Zimru alokim zameru zimru malkenu zameru ki melech kol aretz alokim shtayim. So again, malkenu and melech kol aretz. Di rebios. Rebuto mer achas. One. Now why only one? Because Rashi says malkenu is only our God. And the idea here is Melech al So therefore it doesn't count. So interestingly, although you could focus on Yisrael when it comes to the issue about, you know, bad things and if it's a, if it's a bad zichonot for the non-Jews, you can say it and so on. When it comes to the issue of Malchus, that has to be universal. Um, or at least according to Rabbi Yehuda. Um, the Shavim, they agree Malach Elohim Agoyim Elohim Yashav Akisei Kodsho Shi Achat That's only one. First of all, it's Agoyim so it's the whole world. And number two, sitting on the throne although it evokes the idea of kingship is not actually the language of Melech. So that only counts as one. Zikaron Shiyesh Bo Tru'ah Kigon If it's a Zikaron mentioned together with Tru'ah like the Pasuk of Shabson Zikaron Tru'ah Mikra Kodesh um, you can do you can double purpose it you can repeat that pasuk and have it once to count for zichron and then again to count for a truad consistently seems to have narrower definitions here than you only say it by the zichronot now why? so you could say you know why not say it only in the two worlds so say you get to choose one but you can't do it twice so Raji says the reason is because the word trua is not the word of shofar. And as we know, trua even applies by chatzot's throat. So therefore he discounts that as counting for shofar. It can only count for zichronot. 
Malchus Kishimo Trua, how about a similar case by Malchus? Zon, Hashem Alokavimo Truas Melech Bo, Omra Ima Malchios Vein, Vaomi Mashofros. Again, Rabiosi says you could use twice, Diva Rabiosi. Rabiot Omer, Eina Omer Elima Malchios Bavad, only Malchios. Again, Rashi says for the same reason, because Trua here does not explicitly say Shofar, and that actually we see now explicitly discussed in this third case. Trua she'ini mavlokulam, the word Trua by itself, you go yom Trua yelachem, okay, which is a pretty relevant pasuk. Om yina shofroti rebiosi, rebiromer ain't omer koikar. You can't even say the very pasuk that it says by, by Yerush Hashanah, zichro Trua yom Trua, can't count for Trua's because it doesn't, for shofar's because it doesn't say shofar. Okay, so quite interesting. It has to specifically emphasize the shofar aspect of it, not the Trua, which does raise an interesting question. Since the Torah characterizes it as a yom Trua, on a zichron tru'ah, right? Even though we learn out from Yom Kippur the idea of shofar, why didn't we have the third bracha be truot? Why is the third bracha shofarot, right? Mm-hmm. So it is interesting. Maybe Dafka to underscore that no, Chazal are telling us it's a shofar and we need to maybe focus on that. Maybe because, you know, there's a lot of other psukim about shofar that we want to specifically evoke. There's also an interesting question of the difference between ch'ki'ah and shofar and tru'ah. You know, the Ramban discusses, we'll discuss the exact the way we do the mitzvah later, but but the Ramban discusses from a Kabbalistic idea that like Tki'ah is Midas HaRachamim and Trua is Midas HaDim like Trua is like you know, the Tchado it's like more some sort of like you know I don't know like being hit or something it's not as victorious as the as, as the as, as the Tki'ah um, if you think if you look at the Psukim by the Halotcha right or it's more like wailing and crying out which we know is the language of Trua if you look in the Halotcha where it discusses the Chatzot's throat and how they're used differently <laughs> Farm is like a whale. Yeah, but Shvarim and are like the same because um, it's just a question of how to interpret Trua. So, um, I mean, on the one hand, so the Tkiyaz used to gather the camps, right? And Trua's used to move them forward. So I'm not sure that exactly maps. But anyway, it says, um, So when there's a war Trua, and Simcha's a Tkiyaz. So that clearly seems to indicate the difference there. So it could be that even though it's a Yom Tru'ah, which according to this idea is like a Yom Hadin and so on, maybe we didn't want to overemphasize the Trua aspect, right? Because of that more negative connotation. So therefore the emphasis of it as a Shofarot and not as a Tru'ot. And also again, Shofarot allows you to quote Psukim by Harsina. It gives you a wider range of Psukim to be quoted. Okay. In Hishlim... So the Gemara says, in Hishlin, the Evidim, we have the law. What do you mean? It sounds like if you finish with Torah. Only with the Evid. You should end with Torah. So fine, change the text. It shouldn't say, in Hishlin, it should say, and you should be Mashlin. Of course, it's pretty forced because also the word Yatsa, which means with the Evid. So the Gemara says, in Hishlin, you can't do that. It says, if you finish. The Evid, so, so the Gemara, uh, uh, what was it? The Evidim, we have you start with Torah and you end with Navi. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Mashlim the Torah, the Inhi, no, you should be Mashlim the Torah, the Inhi Shlim the Navi Yatsa. So we again, we, we alter the text to have Rabbi Yossi saying, Bidiyevet, if it's Navi or Yotze, but you should end with Torah, and that's what we do. We have three of each, and then we end with the tenth Pasuk of Torah. Tanya and Yahaki use our simile. I'm Rabbi Yezer, I'm Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yossi, Vatikin Hayu Mashlim Motobi Torah. The, uh, the ancient ones, like, you know, an ancient tradition, or the particularly firm ones, would end with the Pasuk in the Torah. Now, now we're going to see if we have enough Pasukim for them. 
So basically, Mazoch Zichonot Veshofarot Ikatuba. There's plenty of Psukim by Zichonot and Shofarot, even in the Torah. But if we're now going to have to have three of Torah, three of Ksuvim, three of Nevi'im, and end with Torah, we're going to need four Psukim from each, of Torah from each category. So Malchios, there's only three Malchios. What are the three Malchios in the Torah? Hashem Melech And if you're going to need to be Mashalim by Torah, you're going to need a fourth Pesach of Malchios. Banan ba'ina and eser v'leka. We're going to need tens, which will be wrapped up by malchios, by, by uh, Torah. Amar Afuna Tashma. Come in here. We have a brisa. Shema Yisrael. Tashma. Shema Yisrael. And a Shema Yisrael is shemukin Hashem Echad Malchus. Diver Reb Yosi. That counts as Malchus because it's God as King and as singular King, presumably over the whole world. Not King, uh, um, God, but the singular God over the world evokes an idea of Malchus. Again, interesting because until now we've been very exacting and demanding in the exact term. Even God sitting on the throne is it a Malchus? Is this okay. the primary location in Shas of that association? Of that is Malchus. Yeah, yeah. Is it's associated with Malchus. Yeah, yeah, this isn't about Kriyat Shema, it's just using this Pesach about Malchus. Right, but it's right. such a foundational association. Yeah, it's true. Right, but that it's about, you mean Kabbalah's O Malchus Shemayim. Exactly. Yeah, Kabbalah's O is a good point. O Malchus Shemayim is a phrase that's used in other contexts about right. Shema, so you're right, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right, the association with it of O Malchus Shemayim is, a ma- okay. is Malchus. There's no right. mention of Malchus. Right, that is a good point. That is a good point. The O Malchus Shemayim is that theme of Malchus. That's a good point. Yep. Rabbi Yudo Mer ain't a Malchus. Now we know Rabbi Yudo is more restrictive, so he's not prepared to count this as Malchus. Okay, now, but we're a little stuck. We need a fourth. So again, God is the only God, Malchus. It's not Malchus. The only God is God, Malchus. Which is like, okay, so what do you do for Rebuda? So it doesn't exactly tell us. Um, by the way, it does raise an interesting question of what the point of Malchus is. Is the point of Malchus basically like there are no other gods? God is the singular God, and maybe, you know, in the sense also of the evoking of creation. God created the world. God is all powerful. So then you get it from those two If Malchus also suggests an idea of Din, you know, of king as sort of power over, you know, sort of over his subjects, um, then some of these psukim, like don't exactly evoke that same sense. Mm-hmm. So I think there's also a question here about what is, you know, about what the idea of, ma- about, of Malchus is. So anyway, if you want to look at what we actually do, right, so because we, we incorporate Malchus with Kedushat Hayom, as we've been saying, so we start with Atavakartanu, and then we say, you know, Mikra Kodesh Yelachem, right? Um, that's actually Musaf, because it's Musaf, we're also going to have, not, you know, we're, we're going to have, if the Kedushat Hayom is also going to have the Korbanot of Musaf. So we have Nechata'enu, Vachodesh Hashvi'i, and then we do Aleinu Lishabeach Adon Hakol, right? And Aleinu used to only be in the Musaf Shmonas right here, got extracted, right? And then it goes, right? So Aleinu introduces Malchus. Right? Which is one of the psukim we just quoted here. That's the end of the first pasuk, but it doesn't yet say melech. etc. Okay. Uh, where was it? So that's one that everybody can agree on. 
But then Marim Shabbat is the Zimbabwe Shabbat Yachashi Shay Yisrael. So those are the three we know of. Plus the, you know, that, uh, uh, plus the Kehashem Hu Elohim, which was debated. Okay, so in the end, we obviously get back to the to the Shema Yisrael. Okay. By the way, I should also say because we're going to be discussing the learn the limud from Chatzot from Chatzot when we get to Shofarot, right? What are the ones we say by Shofarot? So we start with Atani evoking Har Sinai, right? And then there's a lot of shofar wrote about Har Sinai. By he called the Kol Shofar Chazak Meod. By he called Shofar Alek Vichazek Meod. Kol Amrimiz Akolos Asadimiz Kol Hashofar. Uvei Katsuka Katsu Vaymor Vaytvedi Mecha Katsu Vaymor. Hashem Lokenu Alkenu Mekolos in the Tabe Shofar Gadol Cheruseinu. The Vizinu Tzurecha etc. Kamor Uviyom Siv Chasem Odeichem Rashi Chatechem Uchatem Bachatos Rote. So we since chatzotrot serve as a basis for some of the ideas, even though it's a chatzotrot, we quote that at the end of shofarot. Okay, ki ata shomer tzirah mazin tzirah meinomelach bochat Hashem shomer kol tzirah tamayishabrachamim. So it's quite interesting that we have as the last of the shofarot, we have the pasuk of the chatzotrot. So, right? So that's pretty fascinating, right? That's a pasuk that actually is, it's katem lachatosrot alezeichem, yulachem lezikarot. So, that is there. The Gemara doesn't point that out, you know, but we don't only do something a little bit questionable in terms of the last pasuk by the, um, by the, what do you call it, by the malchus, we do it by the shofarot as well. We get to this other pasuk of yom sim chaschem. Okay, so let's take a look now at the Mishnah. Somebody is now, um, um, uh, the person who passes in front of the ark, uh, the, meaning the one who, um, the one who is the leading of the Shemona Esrei, the, the, the Baal Shachris, um, uh, the Baal Tfilah, the Shliach Tibor, Hashemi, is there a difference between an Ovel Lisnei Teva and your Yeah, so I'll say something about that in a minute. Hashini So the second one um, does uh, does the is the Baal Tokea, which basically indicates that you do the Kiyot during Musaf. Ubishad Hahalel at a time when there's Hahalel, not in Rosh Hashanah we don't say Hahalel, but when you do say Hahalel, Harishon Makare Makri. Makare et tahalel. Okay, whatever. Makre. Okay. The the first one is the one that reads the halo, recites the halo, because you say halo with uh, with uh, shacharit, as we know we do. The bal shacharit, shacharit. You know, chazars shach flows right into halo. Okay. So here we have it. In, here we have that the kiyah is in musaf, and the question is going to be why. I mean, in terms of the difference over as opposed to hayoreid, I've read some articles on that. It has to do with. I'm trying to remember what it has to do with where the. Aron was and whether the Aron was like elevated and the I don't know it has to do with some changing yeah 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 but right but some changing that idea that you would I think read from a actual like like um, depression in the ground I don't think is is, is evidence in the uh in you know in the synagogues that they've uncovered from the from the uh, like from the you know uh, turn uh, from the turn of the millennia period you know from the Tanaitic period I think part of the difference has to be where the whether there was an Aron and when the Aron was brought in and where the Aron was situated whether it's called Yoreid Lishnei Hateva or Over Lishnei Hateva mm-hmm. there's an article that I read that I just don't remember the particulars about that does Mishnah have implied that they recite Halal and Rosh Hashanah no no that's why it says U Bishat Halal meaning at a time when you will be saying Halal not now okay. Okay, otherwise it would have said, Harishan Makreata Halel, Vashaini, Maski, you know, does this Kiyah, but there is no Halel now, okay? Um, Maski. We talk about Kriyat Shema because they read it from the Right. 
So Why is that the verb? Well, I mean, it is reading psukim. Um, well, I thought that the filot were recited by heart, basically. Uh, you mean does it have a sense that it's being read from a from a yeah. class? It's always the verb. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Okay, Maishna Shani Matkia. Why do you do it at Musaf? You want everybody to be in shul by then. Okay? Which is, uh, it's always fascinating whether the shul decides to first have the tkiot and then do the rabbi speech, or first do the rabbi speech and then have the tkiot. Which is the one they really want to make sure everybody is there for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, Yohaki says, that's true. So in any time we have like a special thing for that day, like Hallel, you know, and especially if it's about the type of a communal tefillah or communal praise, whatever it is, let's do that. Stuff too, we'll get everybody there. Why do you do it during Shachlis? You'd rather do it earlier. So you, you know, you do mitzvahs er, er, you know, earlier rather than later. So so Amrab Yochanan Bashaskh Zeus Hamalchus Shanu. Yeah, you're right. This was taught when there was a edict from the government. What does that mean? So Rashi says that it was forbidden in order to uh, you know to blow the shofar, so we had to wait till the government spies left and we did it uh, and therefore we had to do it later. They got tired, you know, they, they spent two hours, nothing was happening yet. If Rosh of four hours, nothing was happening, finally they left. So we did it to Kiyos. Tosus gives a Yushami that says a even a better explanation about that. If you take a look, Bashaskh Zeus Hamalchus Shanu says Tosos, Bazokisha Butler Zeus. First of all, why don't you say, well, nowadays there's no Gzeus Malchus, let's move it back to Shachris. He says, Law of Zinan Kimekara, we don't go back. You know, we don't, we, we, maybe things will get bad again, and we, we'll, we'll keep it where it is. Okay. It wasn't just some edict not to blow the shofar. The enemies of the Jews misinterpreted. They thought, they saw everybody was gathering and they were blowing the shofar. So what do you do? You, you blow a shofar as a way of like calling people to uh, gather and go to war. The Amdu and the Hargumen that led to a uh, you know it led to them uh, kill, uh, to fighting against them and killing them. So they do all this show stuff first. They're just doing their rituals. And therefore, we don't, obviously, they understand it properly. Now, all these are very secondary reasons. Yerushalmi gives also a more intrinsic reason, and it quotes it, I think it ties it into the fact that in the Psukim, you know, they're connected to the Korban Musaf, the Truag, where it says, you know, Yom Truag, Zichon Truag, here's in the context of the Musafim, and it does raise, you know, the idea that if Musaf is about, like, the identity of the day, it's about the Korban that's unique to the day and the identity of the day, you want to do the Tkiot during that, you know, period that's also about the Tkiot, or not just a Mitzvah that happens to fall today, but it's about the identity, Yom and therefore you want to do it you know at the time of the Musaf so the Yerushalmi gives a more intrinsic reason to this but you know Rovam Hadas Melech works as well and that certainly is true um, okay so the in other words your enemies are all armed and waiting to attack you no they're dying exactly alright that's Mishar well no Joseph didn't say they're trying to find an 
an excuse. He thought they really misinterpreted it. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, not next mission, Gemara. Um, okay. Because it says when you would say halal, it's clear that you don't say it on Rosh Hashanah. My time. The heavenly angel said to God, Why are they not singing your songs? He said to them, It would be appropriate where their whole lives are hanging in the balance that they should be praising me. It's not a day. It's a day of awe. It's not a day of simcha. Which does raise interesting questions in general about attitudes towards Rosh Hashanah and to what degree is simcha an appropriate for Rosh Hashanah. Um, there's a whole question are you allowed to fast on Rosh Hashanah so um, you know some postkin said uh, yes you know even though normally you can't fast on Yom because of Simcha as a Yom HaDin um, you are allowed to fast and you see here that like the idea of awe and Din weighs out over against Simcha just by the fact that you don't say Hallel you know others said you're not allowed to fast and they actually quoted another Midrash and the Midrash says the angels say to God God why is it that you know you know uh, um, or, or I don't know if the angels think to God but anyway it says like normal person he comes for Din and he's dressed in black and he's covered in ashes but Israel they come and they're dressed in their nice white clothes and they're you know and they're, you know, and, and, and in their clean clothes, and in like in this joyous approach, because they're confident that you know, Baruch Hu will find, you know, be be, be them l'zuchos. You know, so there's like this sense of awe, but it's combined with also a sense of, you know, it's also a question of kidnei maron, like troops standing for inspection, or like, you know, the uh, sheep walking at this like, mountain path. You know, how, what exactly, how do you combine those two types of themes? So this other Midrash speaks about Dafka, it's a type of a din that we have a sense of pride and joy and confidence in. So it raises those interesting questions about which sort of theme dominates. And I say that there's a real question about people who wanted to fast all of Rosh Hashanah. They tell us story that, you know, somebody said, I think it was to the base of Levi, um, um, you know, um, which was, you know, Rabbi Yosef Stofa Levi Salvechik, not the Rav, but the Rav's great-grandfather. Anyway, says, yeah, you know, you rabbis, you're also machmir, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm sick of it. He says, what do you mean? He says, I'm a big nakil. People say it's us to the fast on Rosh Hashanah. I think it's mutter. You know, <laughs> I give like, you know, a couple of examples like that. All right, anyway, shofar shal Rosh Hashanah, ain't ma vina lovas atchum. The shofar for Rosh Hashanah, um, you cannot, um, again, so funny, Rosh Hashanah, yom tov shal Rosh Hashanah, shofar shal Rosh Hashanah, I mean, what else? Okay, but anyway, shofar shal Rosh Hashanah, ain't ma vina lovas atchum, even though it's a mitzvah your right, so you cannot uh, carry it uh, beyond the tchum in order to help somebody do the mitzvah um, or to bring it into town. You can't uncover if it's under a pile of stones. You can't go up a tree. You can't ride in behemah. You can't swim, uh, you know, put it, like have a float and, and go get it from some, I know, across the river. By the way, you will notice that most of these things is a mission we taught earlier in Beitza about the classic list of what is a shavut what is like a rabbinically type of thing you can't do on Yanta so he is saying like even though these are rabbinic you still can't do it for the sake of the mitzvah you can't cut it meaning like you know cut the uh, to, 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 to trim it cut that you know cut you know uh, to, to like to, to shorten it whether you're doing something that's only a rabbinic prohibition whether it's a biblical prohibition we'll see what that would be if you want to put water or wine in it in order to clean it out that you can do there's no prohibition there 
you don't prevent the kids from blowing um, but you, and you involve yourself with them until they learn so you can actively participate and get them to blow in order to, to, to learn how to blow now what does that exactly mean we'll, we'll unpack that if you're just fooling around and you're maybe trying to help them but you're not trying to do the mitzvah you don't fulfill your obligation gets back to the kavana issue and if you heard from somebody that was not intending to do the mitzvah just sort of you know fooling around with it um, you know, um, then you also do not fulfill your obligation again going back to the issue of kavana so there's a lot in this mishnah it's actually two or three mishnayot pasted together let's take a look at the gemara my timer, why can you not override Yantav? Show for Asayu. The Yantav So why you can't biblically violate, do a biblical violation? It's clear. A positive mitzvah doesn't override a positive and a negative. But how about a rabbinic? So once you say you cannot do the rabbinic, so do a me by, of course, what You can't do the rabbinic, certainly you can't do the deraisa. All right, yeah, fine, this and it goes without saying that. But again, the Gemara does not seem to need to justify why you cannot violate a drabanan. Once it's justified why you can't violate a deraisa, it's assuming that a drabanan goes hand in hand. Right? Once fundamentally Shofar doesn't override Yantav at the Doraisa level, we're also not going to let it override Yantav at the Durabanan level. Okay, now, you know, that's not always so obvious. Like, for example, if you think about on Shabbos, can't, what can you do on Shabbos with Tzorach Mitzvah? So our general approach is, yeah, but besides Mila, like just in terms of Durabanans. So since you can't violate Shabbos in general for a Mitzvah, but if it's a Shavuz to Shavuz, a Durabanan of a Durabanan, like then it would be allowed, or a Mira Lagoy for a Durabanan would be allowed. Okay, that's not that's not a single Durabanan. This is a single Durabanan. But like there's the position of the Aruch that says you can even override Shabbat for a single Durabanan in order to do a Mitzvah. Yeah, you can override a single Durabanan for in order to do a in order to do a Mitzvah on Shabbat. So just because you know the the yantiv itself is uh, the day itself the biblical aspects can't be overridden it doesn't mean there wouldn't be scenarios where the rabbinic aspects can be overridden nevertheless the Gemara doesn't feel a need to justify that once we've explained why you can't override yantiv you can't override the Durabanans as well the shvutim also in order to do the mitzvah how that fits into the Aruch's general sort of structure is not clear but that but the Gemara doesn't even need to ju- feel it needs to justify that yes I don't know if you want to go there, but before I moved to Riverdale, I asked several people several questions, and the practice of having the doorman push the button on the elevator yes. was described as a shush to shush right. the way it worked around. Yes, because that's a, it's, a, it's a non-Jew, so that's one drawbunner, and the el- electricity, when it's not involved, like incandescent lights is generally seem to be at most of the Rabbanon so but that's anyway that's other Shabbos questions but yes okay moving on though so you don't override the Arises and somehow also not the Rabbanons the Ein Chodchin Oso Ben B'davish Shumishim Tav of Lama Gimel Amad Aleph finally to today's staff the Ein Chodchin Oso Ben B'davish Shumishim Shavuz Ben B'davish Shumishim Lotase so the Gemara says Mishim Shavuz a rabbinic way of trimming the Shofar would be Magla a type of a knife that's not the normal knife you would use I don't know how they translate it there a sickle so take a sickle to your Shofar is a little unusual, so it's a shinui. Okay, mishum lotase, sakina, a normal knife, and then it's a normal way of doing it, and it's a problem of tikkun kli, you're fixing something. Um, so the Gemara says, Once you say you can't do it rabbinic, lotase mi you have to tell me you can't.
can't do a biblical violation. Same point, fine. It goes without saying. Once we said the Rabbanon will mention the Doraisa. But you can put liquid in it to clean it out. in water and wine, yes. not urine. So I don't know. Somehow the fact that they're even thinking about it means that it would have done a, some type of a good job in terms of cleaning. Maybe it's the uh, the uh, what do you call it? The, the, the uh, what does the urine have? Nit- um, uh, uh, nitrogen or something? I don't know. Whatever it has. What? Yeah. Anyway, whatever it has. They somehow somehow they felt that it would have done a good job, but nevertheless, it's not appropriate. So Matnisin Mani Abashali, it's Abashal the time, turn Bryce Abashal, Omer Maimo Yaim Mutar, Kadela Sach Tsucho, because it cleans it out. Mayraglay Masur Mik Neha Kavod, it's not respectful for a shofar, a mitzvah object to to have put urine through it. Same with the, uh, the um, right, the Ketoras. Now we get to this issue about the kids not interfering with their desire to blow the shofar. So the Gemara first says Hanashim Ma'akvin. It would sound like women you prevent, meaning not only are maybe women not obligated, which we've never explicitly said, we sort of implicitly said, we didn't say it once when we were dealing with Yovel, but anyway, but you wouldn't even let them do it. Now, why should you not let women do it? even if they're not obligated and you know even if you say they get no schar for it what should be the problem so if you take a look at Rashi Rashi says a pretty extreme thing Rashi says the first narrow line Hanashi Ma'akvin Dipturus Legamre the Mitzvah Hosei Shez Ma'an Gramahi V'chitaki Ikabaltosif there's Baltosif remember we had a whole Baltosif mm-hmm. discussion so that's pretty bizarre that it would be Baltosif first of all it suggests that women get no credit at all for doing it and number two Baltosif normally is I'm doing the mitzvah and I'm expanding it not somebody who's not obligated is doing so pretty much all that we've shown him argue on Rashi some want to reframe it as it's Nirek Baltosif you know still it's inappropriate you're, you're adopting something that's not relevant to you you're somehow expanding you know it's, it's inappropriate you're expanding the normal boundaries of the mitzvah mostly though we're trying to understand that the concern more is the same type of a concern that you know might ap- apply to the kids as well which is if the mitzvah isn't relevant to you then you know normally a shofar on sukkahs would be mitzvah and blowing it would be a like uh, making music on the yantiv which you're not supposed to do so it's not really a type of a baltosi problem but it's a problem that if it's not relevant to you then there are possible other incidental issues that make it inappropriate which wouldn't mean that there's always a problem to do a mitzvah that isn't relevant to you but sometimes there might be if it's you know and that gets to the issue that the Gemara is about to quote by Simicha so let's take a look Vatanya we taught in the bright so this is one of the very famous Gemaras about this issue of women's relationship to time bound mitzvot you know to, uh, even though they're patur, what is the, what is their potential relationship to it but we taught in the Brisa that you, you allow women to blow as well as they want to so Amar Abaye Rokash it's not difficult it's a debate of Rebbe Yehuda on one side and Rebbe Yosef and Rebbe Shimon on the other side the time we taught in the Brisa speak to the children of Israel and the end of that passage is it's about korbanot so B'nai Yisrael do smich on korbanot and not B'nai Yisrael women don't do smich on korbanot put their hands on it that's what Rabbi they're not obligated but they're allowed to so this is a debate women's relationship to Mitzvah Grama is it completely off limits or are they allowed to if they want now why should there be a problem even if they're not obligated 
So again, Rashi might say Baltosif. Other Rishonim say by the Korbanot that if the Korbanot is some, is, is Kudshim, and by Smicha you put your weight on it, you put your hands and you lean on it, that would be inappropriate unless there would be a mitzvah type of a, of some element of a mitzvah going on there. So this becomes the question of do we allow, like, you know, even if there are some incidental secondary problems, do we, do we uh, allow, you know, women to do it, but, you know, because, to do this mitzvah and ignore those secondary problems. Now, the question might be, if we do, if the answer is yes, we do allow women, right, we, whatever, halacha, why, wh- how do you ignore those secondary problems of muktza or, you know, or put it, or, you know, using kudshim and so on. So there's two answers. One answer is, I mean, this comes up in another which is, yeah, really, it is a problem, but, you know, we want to make women feel more included, so we'll waive some of those rabbinic concerns. Okay? So, on the one hand, that's nice. It's, an, it's, an, it's a statement about inclusion and inclu- the values of inclusion overriding some types of concerns. But on the other hand, it doesn't intrinsically say something about women's relationship to the mitzvah. The stronger approach is to say, look, just because they're exempt from the mitzvah doesn't mean they're excluded from the mitzvah. And if they actually do the mitzvah, you know, it's like an Eina Mitzvah They get schar. So it's not like it's a problematic. They're actually blowing show, but they might as well be tooting a trumpet, but it makes them feel good, so we'll let them do it even though there's a muktza problem. No! If they choose to blow the shofar, they're doing the mitzvah of the shofar. It's optional, but they're still doing the mitzvah, and therefore, those problems fall away. So that becomes a very central question. And there's a lot of questions wrapped up here. First of all, how do we pass them? Like Reb Yehuda or like Reb Yossi? Right? Which way? Do, uh, do, we give, uh, do women have that allowance or not? So you take a look at Tosos, first line. He says, Omer Rabbeinu Tam, Avagav Distama Thesin Kareb Yehuda, although there's a Stam Meshna Reb Yehuda that women don't do smicha. Halach Kareb Yossi. How do we know that women do do smicha? Number one, did he muko emo? Normally we pass him like Reb Yossi because we say Reb Yossi, his, his reason is with him. That's the general approach that Reb Yossi knows what he's talking about. And Umasarav. There's a precedent. Now, Masarab normally means a rabbi acted this way, so it wasn't just theoretical, it was actually practiced. Let's see what the precedent is. And Yonah's wife, famous Gemara with Ola Regal. I love it, that's Masarab. Who was the Rav there? Michal. And Yonah's wife, they were the Rav. But anyway, but there actually was precedent, not even in the rabbinic period, in the pre rabbinic period. Okay? Um, and then, Vahu Uvda de Perak in Darkin de Heviyanu Lazarus Nashim, the Samcholav Nashim, another story where actually with the rabbis were involved, that women did smicha on a korban, and so on. So Tosa says, no, 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 we paskin that it's allowed. It's interesting, although Rambam paskins, for example, that women do not do smicha, like Rebbe Yehud are not allowed to do smicha, Rambam says, like, if a woman wants to put on tzitzit, you know, she can put it on and make a bracha, because it's a mitzvah, you know, it's in a mitzvah So the first thing that's, so somehow he splits his vote, Rambam. But the first thing that's established is that we paskin like Rebbe Yossi, that if a woman wants to, they can. Uh, but then the next question is, and that presumably overrides these secondary rabbinic concerns. But then the remainder of this tosis is devoted to the critical question of not just saying whether a woman does it and we can ignore those secondary concerns, but you know what the remaining question is? 
woman going to make a bracha when she makes a bit of Shazman Brahma. And Tosus basically tries to make a strong argument, although he goes back and forth whether he can actually legitimately make that argument, that whether women make, make a bracha or not, um, if they're not obligated. Um, and Ashkenazi practices women do make a bracha, Sephardi practices women do not. Now, why do women break a bracha? How could they say Vitzivanu if they're not Mitzvah? This again gets to the question of what is the relationship to Mitzvah Shazman Brahma. So one answer is, Vitzivanu means Klau Yisrael. We personally as women weren't commanded, but we the Jewish people were commanded. Okay, and that's what it means. And again, somewhat says that women are really a little bit, you know, excluded. Um, and but Enochanami, the bracha is still somehow relevant as part of Klai Yisrael. But there's another approach in the Rishonim that says, like I was saying before, that the exemption is not exclusion. So women also were commanded. They they have an op- they can exempt themselves, right? They have an exemption, but the exemption only comes after the fact that they are commanded. And if they waive the exemption then they once again you know get into that category of being commanded they're not the same level as men they can't be mostly men again because they, they, can, they do have the, the, they do have the exemption but actually they can are seen as fundamentally commanded as well fundamentally commanded with an exemption so this raises these really important questions about women's obligation and when they do a mitzvah how much are they considered to be doing a mitzvah getting schar for mitzvah even at some level mitzvah in it that they could say the bracha, that it overrides other concerns, or how much not, and that's really like a major, major issue. And I should say that for Svartim, although Rambam Paskins, you know, are, women can blow the shofar, and can put on tzitzit, and can do whatever, the Rambam says, I might have missed that before, I think I've missed that before, the Rambam says, you don't make a bracha, I think I said what I didn't mean, I, I misspoke, I'm sorry, I misspoke. The Rambam says, women do not make a bracha um, on this, because they're not mitzuvah. Um, and you know in Sephardi communities I, I've noticed that women seem and I think I've said this before feel much less motivated to do some of these and I think it's since they're not making a bracha the clear message the strong you know message which is not verbalized is this isn't really a mitzvah I mean I still remember for you I still remember I was once in a, at a, Sephardi, in a Sephardi home for Sukkot and I you know woke up in the morning and I took the lulav or asrog I came home from show and then I said to the abala I said, do you want to, here, and I just then look, do you want to take this? She said, no, why would I want to do that? Like, and I was like so shocked, you know, <laughs> why are it's like completely not relevant to me? Now, I think even that, that being said, when it comes to Shofar and Rosh Hashanah, like, oh, women really, you know, see themselves as being Mechuyavot, and I think someone would be shocked to hear that they're not actually technically Chayavot, uh, but nevertheless, the making of the bracha sends a very powerful message. So it is important that, number one, how do we pass in, like Rabbi Yossi, according to Tosos, and even the Ram doesn't pass by Rabbi Yossi, by Korbanot, Paskins him by other mitzvot, by, and number two, you know, so the other secondary concerns are waived, and number two, but by saying women actually make a bracha, it's really sending a strong message, that it's not just, oh, we let you do this if you want to, because it makes you feel nice, but it really makes a strong point about this really being a mitzvah for you, um, for you as well. Okay, so that's very central, very important issues in our current religious life emerge from this Gemara. Yeah. yeah. So Kiddush is different because Kiddush is connected Zohar to Shamor. So there are obviously some time down mitzvahs or Matzah because Matzah is connected to the Isra of Eden Chomet. So there are exceptions to that rule. So right? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. 
Avomitafina uh, back to the issue of Tinokos about kids letting them blow the shofar and fool around with the shofar so the first thing said um, you don't stop them but the next thing said you actually actively involve yourselves in having them blow the shofar okay now again the issue might be on a normal yantav a question of like uh, making music on yantav when it's not in the context of a mitzvah okay so we just got through saying whether women can do it but how about kids they're not doing you know for them it's not a mitzvah can they go ahead and be blowing these music Instruments. So Amar Rabbi Eliezer, Afil B'Shabbos, and not only, and this is the real shocker, not only on Yantav, where for other people it is a mitzvah, but you even let them do this on Shabbos, where it's n- nobody is doing the mitzvah today. Tanya Namihari, we talk similarly. Mikatim ben Achilamdu, Afil B'Shabbos. So again, both statements, you can actively involve yourself and you don't interfere, and even on Shabbos, which is a real shocker, because it's one thing to say, you know, on Yantav, for everybody else it's a mitzvah, you can do it too, but on Shabbos, nobody is doing it, we're going to let the kids do it. So now the Gemara says, and also, it's internally contradictory. First you say you actively involve yourself. You see, we tell them to blow. Um, we actually invo- actively involve ourselves. The harder time, and then it says, "Ain ma'akvin." You don't interfere. ma'akvin. We interfere. We don't do. but we don't try to encourage them to blow. So I'm blowing a tikkun. So measures low cost. It's not difficult. Can the katan shigiel chinoch? Can the katan shloigiel chinoch? Is the katan at the age of chinoch or not? Now, which way does this go? So, so first, I'll give you the easier answer. The easier answer is before the age of chinoch then, you know, it's not really, we can actually actively, even though it's Shabbos, and obviously nobody should be blowing the shofar on Shabbos, we can actually encourage them to blow because, you know, it's pre-chinuch, so there's not a concern of Shabbos violation of rabbinic types of things. Once they're at the chinuch age, then we don't interfere. Maybe normally as a parent, your kid picks up books, so you'll interfere. But today, it's Rosh, even though it's Shabbos, it's also Rosh Hashanah. So, you don't interfere because, uh, you know, Nishka Fairlock that they're blowing a shofar on Rosh Hashanah, and there's a good idea there, too, that they're, like, you know, connecting to the idea of shofar. Um, but, you know, and you won't interfere, even though it's also Shabbat. But you won't actively do it if they're, you know, it, you know because it is Shabbat. Okay, so that's one explanation. The other explanation goes the opposite way. The opposite way is, no, for somebody pre-Chinuch, we won't, you know, we won't interfere, but we won't be involved in it. Somebody at the age of Chinuch, there's, yes, there's the Chinuch of Shabbos, but there's also the Chinuch of Rosh Hashanah. So maybe we'll even encourage them to blow. Maybe we feel a little deprived. We're not hearing the shofar and show in Rosh Hashanah, so we'll try to encourage our kids, you know, to blow the shofar. Now that is a little bizarre, because again, how could we encourage them to do it if it is Shabbos? But Tosas, nevertheless, says maybe, yes, it's Shabbos, but it's also Rosh Hashanah, and maybe that gives us a certain amount of latitude. I will say that in the Shulchan Aruch, you do not, and there's a whole question here that I didn't get into. Some actually have the girsa of a low Shabbat, not a filu Shabbat. So in Shulchan Aruch, you do not have the girsa of, you, you do not have the psak that gives any latitude on Shabbat. What you do have is the psak that gives latitude on a normal yuntiv for kids to blow. Um, and the Ramah actually poskins, if it's not Shabbat, then the Ramah poskins clearly, it makes more sense to be actively involved with kids that are higiel chinuch. Here's a day that everybody's in the show, hearing the shofar, even if the kid didn't make it to the show, you can actively involve, you know, you can blow the shofar, encourage him to blow the shofar, you can blow the shofar for him, you can do these things. Look, a few days ago we learned that you can make a bracha, even when you're normally not entitled for the sake of chinuch. So here, once he's a yil chinuch, and it's not Shabbat, it's just yantiv, you can actively be blowing the shofar. Will yil chinuch not? 
And this raises an important question. Is the shofar... Um, now, it's not mukta because you can always use it for somebody who hasn't yet heard the tzkiyot. Heard but are you allowed to blow the shofar for fun on Rosh Hashanah after you've heard the tzkiyot in show? Does the general prohibition of making music on Yantav revert after you've done the mitzvah? Or is it only like overridden during the doing of the mitzvah or anything that's part of the minhag, the hundred kolot, anything that's, you know, for the sake of the mitzvah, but as soon as it's, you're just, I'm just fooling around, I got a chauffeur, it's a shana, two tooth, I'm having fun, maybe that's usher because it's making, you know, music on Yantis. So the rum, what? Rilamed is included in like this idea of meat askin and legitimate. So the Ramah basically rules that is correct. It is forbidden. You cannot just fool around and blow your shofar for fun on Rosh Hashanah. The Taz argues. The Taz says on Rosh Hashanah the shofar cannot be considered problematic in any way. Like, you know, any type of blowing is okay. But the Ramah rules it is problematic and therefore the Ramah rules that's the Chiddush of what we're saying here. Forget the Shabbos aspect which complicates it. But at least what we're saying is is that if you're not doing a mitzvah then you can't be blowing a shofar. However, if you are doing it for kids that are the age of Chinuch, and it's about Chinuch, and it's about, you know, creating, even if it's not technically teaching how to do stuff, 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 but, you know, just creating a shofar experience on Rosh Hashanah, then that's legitimate. Okay, so that raises that interesting question of, is there some general problem of blowing the shofar when it's not in a mitzvah or in a Chinuch context? The adult is going to what? Right, so that's the point. So that would be okay. That would be okay. Right. So according to that read that we're not talking about Shabbos, we're just talking about Yantav, then the asking the hand could even mean that you could blow it if it's in the, all in the process of Chinuch. Right. If you're just, you know, trying, you weren't trying to do the mitzvah, you were just trying to teach the kids, so you were trying to, I don't know, fool around, and then you're not Yotze because you didn't have intent. So the says, Hatzokeh this would seem to suggest that it's only because you're mitasek. Mitasek means like it's completely incidental. But if you're trying to make the right sounds, but with a different intent, like you're doing it for music, yatsa, it sounds like you would. Mitasek is like completely incidental. Only that, not yatsa. Let's say this supports Rava. The Amar Rava yatsa. If you're doing it intentionally, even if you're not doing it for the sake of the mitzvah, like you're doing it for music, you are yotze. The Gemara says, no. You don't know how big the category of mitasek is. Mitasek could mean anytime you're not doing it for the mitzvah. We're calling it mitasek. So you don't exactly know where to draw the line. That mitasek might mean if it's not being done for the mitzvah, you're not yotzek. If you heard it from somebody who's mitasek, you're not yotzek. This gets to another question of kavanah. Not kavanah to do the mitzvah, but kavanah to be motzi somebody. Because this seems to indicate that the only problem is that the guy wasn't intending to do the mitzvah and you heard his kia. But if he was intending to do the mitzvah for himself, the implication is you would be yotze, even though he wasn't intending to be motzi you. So, let's say this is a contradiction to Rebbe Zera. The Amalei Rebbe Zera Lishamei, Rebbe Zera told his attendants, Ikarinut Kali, have kavana to blow for me. It's not enough to have kavana to blow, you have to do it for me to be motzi me. So that, and that's not said in the Mishnah. Since we talked about you blowing and you being Nita Seik, we talked about somebody else hearing it 
and you being mitasek, but it's actually, if, if somebody actually wants to hear and be yotze, it's not enough that you have kavana to do the mitzvah, it could very well be you need kavana to be motzi him. Okay, so a really packed Mishnah there with these issues about, you know, what's the nature of blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah after you've done the mitzvah? What's the whole issue with women and their relationship to the shofar and mitzvah sasei, man, graman, tosus' whole idea there also about the brachot. So a lot there. Now we turn to the actual act of blowing the shofar. Let's take a look. Say the tzkiot, the way you do the tzkiot on Rosh Hashanah. Shalosh, shows shalosh, shalosh. Three sets, Malchus, Zichonus, and Shofar, so whatever, and each set is made up of three sands, Tkia, Trua, Tkia. So why we do, right, you know, you know, Tkia, Trua, Tkia, Tkia, Shram, Tkia, whatever, we'll talk about, but biblically, Shofar is nine kolos. Okay? Tkia, Trua, Tkia, three times. That's what it is. Okay, we're going to learn from the Pasuk, I'll just tell you, it says Trua three times, Yom Trua Yelechem, Zichron Trua, twice by Rosh Hashanah, one by Yovel, Vavata Shofar Trua, so that we learn three truas, and we're going to learn from other psukim that it's kia always comes before and after a trua. So that's where we're going to get that the biblical shofar is an entire nine kolot. Okay, we have three truot: trua, 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 and that comes from the idea of yom trua, zichron trua, which is all by Rosh Hashanah, and the Varta, the Varta Shofar Teruah, which is by Yovel. Okay, that gives us three truots, and then we're going to learn from another source that anytime you have a Teruah, it comes with a Tkiah before and after. Okay, so therefore that is going to get us biblically nine kolos. Okay, so three sets of three each. Um, so, um, okay, now, Shir Tkiah Kishalosh Teruot. The length of a trua is the length of three truot. Now, it's very, obviously, there's a big tozo, it's very complicated exactly what it's saying. I'll give you, like, one of the standard explanations. Standard explanation is, here is, is that not only is the length of a tkiah like three truot, but that three truot is the sound of the truah. So that's a tkiah, and the sound of a truah is da-da-da. Okay, da-da-da. So that is a truah. And they're the same length. So it's Unbroken tkiah is the sound of three truot, which, e- which make up the entire sound of that the truah is supposed to be. You were saying in, in quantity and quality, a truah is a fragmented tkiah. Right. Now, again, the text isn't clear. Our assumption is the only difference between the true and the tkiah is how long the sound goes. There is a position of the Ramban that maybe it's actually a different sound, like one is a straight sound, the other is a type of a sound. So there actually is some questions, but we assume that the only difference is how long it is. So if Kia equals three truot, which again, we're going to assume that also means that to, to make a trua, you have to make three truot. Okay? Shir trua kishalot shibavot. And a trua, each individual sound here, is three beats. A yibava is considered to be a beat. Okay? So, how, what is the minimum size of a trua? Of a dit? Of a dr? It's the size of whatever three beats is. Okay? You know, so you can figure out, I don't know how much that is, but three tiny little sounds. Okay, so that is the, that's the thing, but the, again, the presumption is you're making one solid sound and three sounds a third long, and each of these sounds is the length of three beats. Um, now, here's stuff we've seen before. If you made the one tkiah and the first tkiah of this set, 
And then for the second kiyah, because each of these get a kiyah before and after, and the second kiyah here, you did long enough that it's the double length, right? Because this means its kiyah is nine beats, according to this. And you did a kiyah that was 18 beats. So let it count as the end of this key and the beginning of that one. So no, it only counts as one, and we've seen that before. Okay, you can't break up its key in the middle. Um, somebody made the brachot, and then he got the shofar. He didn't have the shofar when he was doing the brachot. Which brachot are we talking about? Not the bracha of lishmo kol shofar, because then you wouldn't have made it without the shofar. What brachos did you do without the shofar? You should be reich v'achar kachim manelo shofar. What the brachot of malchiyot v'shofarot, which means that, and this is key. Again, according to the Mishnah, everything we've seen, where does shofar occur during Shmona Esrei, during malchiyot v'chronos v'shofarot? In Eino Tokea Lama Hu right? And the Baal Musa says it, and it occurs during Shmona Esrei. Those were considered to be the brachot of the shofar giving the whole context, you know, sort of framing the shofar with Malchus of Honus and Shofrot. In the Gemara, uh, you do not have a bracha by Sher Kishan and That developed afterwards when we also developed the Minhad of doing a series of Tkiyot before Shimon Asrei. So if you're not doing it in the context of Shimon Asrei, you're just doing straight Tkiyot, well, we need a bracha. Let's come up with a Birch HaMitzvah, Sher Kishan and then the whole question is, is the Girsa Mishmoa Kol Shofar or Litko, or, you know, or Al Tkiyot Shofar? What is exactly the Mitzvah? But anyway, but that developed once the shofarot themselves were stripped out of the Shimon Esrei, not removed from it. You know, you have, exam- you have the shofarot without the enveloping brachot. They exist prior. What bracha are we going to make? But that's not the context of the Mishnah. The Mishnah is, it's incorporated in the brachot of the Shimon Esrei. So therefore, the Mishnah asks the question, when you came to be Mutzaf, you didn't have a shofar. So you went ahead, you have Mutzaf. So now, now you've got a shofar. What do you do? Maybe I shouldn't do the tekiyot at all. Maybe I only do it during Shmon Esrei. No, so it says, no, minute, let's just read it. So it says, so you went ahead, you dive in Shmon Esrei without the shofar. Normally they always come together. So what do you do? So if you have to, you'll do the shofar naked from the Shmon Esrei. You'll do it without the brachot. Notice, by the way, it doesn't say, now make a bracha of the Shmon Esrei. Okay, again, the Mishnah only knows of the bracha of the Shmon Esrei. So if you, but if something happened and you didn't have the shofar and you daven Shmon Esrei, so first of all, you're Yosei Shmon Esrei without the shofar, and B'diyeve, you're Yosei Shofar without the Shmon Esrei. Go ahead and do the shofar by itself. The same way the Shriach Tzibur is obligated, every individual is obligated. Does that mean in Shmona Esrei? Maybe in the Pshad it might also mean in the Shofar. If the Shriach Tzibur is the one that is blowing the Shofar, don't confuse it to think that this is some communal obligation. No, it's a personal obligation um, as well. Now that already seems to be that we're not talking about the Shofar. That seems to be that we're talking about the Shmona Esrei. And then it would be saying the following, because not, people do not have Sidurim. So there's a big problem with Malchus, Zichronus, and Shofar, yeah. so people don't have Sidurim. How the heck am I supposed to be able to know the Pesukim to say? Okay, so, <laughs> I'm supposed to memorize the Shmona Esrei, you know, once a year I say it. So, the thing, first thing is, don't think the Shvich Sibur, you know, you know, is the only one obligated. You've got to somehow say the Shmon Esrei yourself. I don't know how you're going to know the Pesukim. You've got to say it yourself. And Rebbe Shamlil says, no, 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 no. The Shvich Sibur could be Motsi me. So this becomes the challenge of saying the Musa Shmon Esrei with the Malchus and Shonis and Shofros, and we'll see, that'll be the last thing you will do. We'll see how that unpacks, okay? You wanted to say something, though, about I wanted to say, the Shofar without the Brahma? Yeah, the other way, if you did not have a Shofar, 
you went ahead and said Musaf without the Shofar yeah. No, so that again, that's what the Mishra is being mechadesh. That Bibi Eved, you can have Malchi Zechonis and Shofar without Shofar and Shofar without Malchi Zechonis. It's a huge chadesh in both directions because we always consider them to be intrinsically, you know, intertwined. Okay, so let's take a look. Vatanya Shir Tkiya Kitrua. One minute, we have a writer that says now that Tkiya equals three Truo, that Tkiya equals one Truo. So it says, Amr Bayi Tanididam Kachashiv Tkiya Zechulu Bavi. The truest kulu bavi. Our tana is counting all of the tiot and all of the truot. The tana bracha chasiv chad bava v'tulo, and the other tana is counting one of the units. Now, what the heck that means again is unclear. Rashi seems to interpret it to mean that one is saying, you know, a tiyah equals, you know, when we say it's tiyah equals a truah, what we mean is one tiyah equals one truah, the entire length. When we say it's tiyah equals three truot. You know, we mean maybe three tiyot equals three truot. Like all these tiyot mm-hmm. equals all those truot. Or tiyot equals the three voices of a truot. It's a very hard statement to unpack exactly what that meant. Yes. Does it mean that the length of a truot is one third length of a tiyot? Yes. So right, so you could say exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Which is a tiyot equals a truot means the entire the entire sort of <coughs> the three sets combined the entire unit all combined and a tia equals three throughout means each individual sound that's part of it that's the easiest thing to say it doesn't sound like that's exactly how Rashi is translating it but that's the easiest thing to say that it equals three if you count the individual sounds of a trua it equals a true if you count the entire length of the trua okay alright let's just assume that that's the explanation because this is a, a notoriously difficult passage okay and I'll just read one more sentence and then we'll end Shia trua can give and each trua is three beats. That a trua is not three beats, but a trua is actually three. Shvarim is like longer sounds. So Okay, you're right. This they definitely argue about. A day of trua will be for you. So what's trua? When we talk the Aramaic translation is Yom Yibava A day of wailing. So what's wailing? Succeed the Amy the sister. It says by sister's mother, the The mother's sister by the window was wailing. So how do you wail? You like moan. So that's one. You wail like when we said how the word yell. Right? It's like you know they said some Spartica Spartan can do that well, right? Though how you do yeah, that? Fish. <laughs> so anyway, or if you want to think about crying, it's like it's like a, is it like <laughs> like that? So those are two interpretations. So how does that map onto here? Again, it seems to be that this becomes the longer idea becomes a shever, and the smaller idea becomes a yibava. Okay, and then again, it's, exa- it's, it's confusing how it exactly translates into our assumption, but our assumption of it is that there's one approach which is three shivarim, da, 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 and one approach which a true is three yibavot, which might just mean da, 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 and that's it, but the way we've translated it, it means because this starts with three and each one of these equals three smaller sounds, that, that the other version is nine. Da, 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 okay, but again, it's exa- not exactly clear how to fit all that in the words of the Brightot and the Mishnah. It could be, according to the Mishnah, all you have to do for Trua is da, 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 right? But there are two interpretations of what a Trua is. Okay, in the, in the Torah, you only have Trua, but now we have two interpretations. Either moan is a Trua or a whale. 
Okay, and there's that no is either medium-sized sound or a staccato type of sound. There's no theological difference. It's two different interpretations 